Welcome and thanks for joining us here at the Bethel Church Podcast. For more information about Bethel and who we are, you can visit us online at BethelChurch.info. We hope you are encouraged and that you find hope in today's message. We are still in our This is the Bible series. This is the last week for a little while. Everybody say all. Yeah, I know. I know you're sad, Um, but we're going to be going to a few other things that the Lord has given us instruction on. Uh, So I am preaching from Genesis 41. Um, I'm going to attempt to preach from Genesis 41. But uh, I want to, how many of you have read the articles and you listen to the video teachings? Wave at me real fast. Okay, if you're not, you're missing up over half of the teachings um, so you can go to uh, the Facebook page or the website, BethelChurch.info. There's this thing called MyBC. If you're not a part of that, that's probably why you're not getting the email. So I'm gonna bring us up to speed. We're in Genesis 41. Um, we are in, right in the middle of the, of the life of Joseph. Everybody say Joseph. All right, so I'm gonna start in verse one, but before I do, I'm gonna bring you up to speed in like three chapters. We're gonna do it in two minutes. Everybody believe me? No, you don't. I, thank you. You're very wise. Very wise. All right, here we go. Jacob had 12 sons. How many of you were here for the message where the names of the kids were like broken down and their meanings and all of that stuff? Jacob had 12 sons. His favorite son's name was, come on, y'all help me out. Oh, don't let me do this by myself. It's too much. His favorite son is Joseph. And one day he gives Joseph a multicolored jacket as a token of just how much he loved his favorite son. Now, if you're in here and you're wondering, like, what's the big deal about a multicolored jacket? They were hard to come by. Most people wore clothes that were one color, and it was whatever color the cloth was. So this was a big deal. It was like he got him a Gucci jacket, like a Louis jacket, like a Prada. It was special. All right. Now, Joseph had a prophetic gift. But he was immature in his prophetic gift. And one day he prophesies to his brothers and to his entire family. He says, "Um, one day, I had a dream, guys, by the way. And one day all of you are going to bow to me. Just a little, little tidbit we can learn from this. If you have a dream that all of your friends and your family are going to bow to you, keep it to yourself. The funny thing is, is he was right. The gift of prophecy is still working today. But just because he shows it to you doesn't mean you need to speak it. It, You need to go get in the prayer room and lock yourself in there. Because he doesn't just show, he he shows us things to intercede first and foremost. All right. I lied. It's going to take me three minutes to catch up. So this dream enrages his brothers even more because he was already the favorite. They were already jealous and they sell him into slavery. Everybody give me a thumbs up. You're good. Well, eventually he's sold again and he is purchased by a man named Potiphar who was a captain in Pharaoh's army. Now, as Pastor Hayden taught us so well in his video teaching this past week, Potiphar um, saw that Joseph was blessed by God and could not deny it. Joseph grew in both stature and favor with God and with man. So Potiphar does the best thing and he puts Joseph in charge of his family and all of his investments. And Joseph being blessed by God with supernatural wisdom starts investing, starts running things in a way and things grew and grew and they grew. Well, 
The Bible also tells us that Joseph was good looking. And Potiphar's wife, <coughs> notice too. So she kept coming to Joseph and was just very point blank, definition of thirsty. And she said, will you have sex with me? He would say no. She would ask him, the Bible says she asked him day after day after day. And finally one day she caught him in the house when there was no one else around. Side note, be around people. Coming back. She caught him when there was no one else around and she approached him very aggressively, even grabbed homeboy's jacket. He was always getting in trouble with jackets. And Joseph was like, no, I'm not. And he kind of comes out of it, takes off running. Well, immediately her feelings are hurt. She starts manipulation games. She screams, rape. These men come in. They're like, what happened? She's like, he tried to come on to me, but I said, no. And here's this jacket as proof. Well, Potiphar comes home and he is irate, believes his wife, and he throws Joseph, and this is really important, he throws Joseph in Pharaoh's prison. Now, Joseph is in Pharaoh's prison and the Bible says yet again, he grew in favor. God blessed him so much that the prison warden was like, hey man, I ain't even gotta come down here anymore. You run the show. The Bible says that the prison warden pretty much stopped being the prison warden and he let Joseph run stuff. Which goes to show us you can minister everywhere you are. Well, while he's there, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker for Pharaoh, the the Pharaoh, Pharaoh's not a name, it's a title, by the way, like king. For the Pharaoh, they do something stupid and they get thrown in jail. Well, one day, the cupbearer and the baker have a dream and they're like, we don't know what it means. So they go to Joseph and they're like, we heard that you like got this whole dream thing going on. Joseph says to them, he's like, no, 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 it's not me, it's God. He knows what the dream says. He says, so tell me the dream. The cupbearer like tells him the dream and Joseph's like, oh, wow, this is what your dream means. In three days, you're gonna be restored back to your position. The cupbearer's like, oh, won't he do it? No, he didn't say that, he was a pagan. (laughs) Um, Then the baker tells him his dream and Joseph says, hmm, got bad news. Baker's like, well, he's like, you're gonna be hanged in three days. Baker's like, All right, anybody else want to interpret my dream? No, but it ends up happening. As the cupbearer is leaving the prison, Joseph is like, what's up? He said, you know, I've been put here wrongly. Please remember me. And that's where our passage picks up. First one. After two whole years, was he remembered? Okay, handful of us have read it. Um, no, he was not remembered. Because after two whole years, this is where our Joseph comes back. We don't know what Joseph was doing for two whole years, except being faithful Amen. where he was. Yeah. After two whole years, Pharaoh has this dream. The Pharaoh has a dream. So he, wake, he has a dream one night that he's standing by the Nile River and seven, and I'm just gonna like paraphrase it because it's a lot. He has a dream that seven big, healthy, fat cows, and you want your cows to be fat, by the way, they pop up out of the Nile River. They start eating the the grass. Well, then seven skinny cows pop up 
and they're just staring at the fat cows. And then all of a sudden, the seven skinny cows eat the seven fat cows. Pharaoh wakes up. He's like, was that the lasagna? Or was that something from the Lord? Well, where was it from? Bible says he was troubled, so he goes back to sleep. He has another dream that there's seven fat, plump, healthy ears of grain that pop up and then seven skinny ears of grain pop up. Same thing happens. The skinny ears of grain eat the plump ears of grain. The Bible says that Pharaoh woke up and he was troubled. And he sent and he called for all the magicians of Egypt, I'm in verse eight, and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was none who could interpret them to Pharaoh. I wanna stop for just a moment and let you know that, that Pharaoh had magicians. We will find out later that he also had priests who had abilities to do supernatural things. Now, I'm sure this makes many of us uncomfortable, but I need to stop and let you know there is nothing in Scripture that even remotely insinuates that demonic forces are no longer on this earth working. One of the biggest lies the enemy wants us to believe is that there are no supernatural dark forces in the earth. And I'm not talking about Star Wars. There are demons that still oppress and still possess. There are still spirits. And it's real. Because he calls on them. But yet, they couldn't interpret. Verse 9. Then the chief cupbearer. Y'all remember him? Remember me telling him that? He's like, oh wait, Pharaoh. You remember that time where you thought I was trying to get you, but I won't get you, and you put me in jail? Yeah, that time. I'm sure he wasn't talking like that to the Pharaoh. He was probably like, he said, you remember that time? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, he's like, well, while I was in there, there was, I had a dream. And there was this young Hebrew dude who interpreted my dream. And he was right. I was restored to my office and the baker was hanged. So I want us to stop for just a minute. Finally, the cupbearer remembers. After how many years? years. Right, but wrong. Right that it was two years since Joseph had interpreted his dream. But in totality, Joseph has now been in slavery or in prison for 13 years. Joseph is the definition of faithful. And what is faithfulness? I want to put it this way this morning. It's not putting an expiration on your expectation. It's knowing that God is going to do what he said he would do and not having to have a date and a time because you trust more in him than what he can do for you. I'm talking about long obedience in the same direction and saying that I trust him more than what I want him to do. 
This is the kind of faithfulness that God shows those who call him Lord. I'm not telling you to go live out something in your own power. I'm not saying get up and go be faithful. I'm saying gaze at the faithfulness of the Lord and just emulate what he's already done for us. A God who you're gonna find out in a little while tells a prophet to marry a prostitute just so he can show you that he is better at being faithful than you are at sinning. That he is better at goodness and mercy then you are at fill in the blank with whatever you think is separating you from God. He's better. You say, well, you don't know me. I'm a real good sinner. Nah, he's better than you are. Goodness and mercy are going to chase you down all the days of your life. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on, and I, I feel it, I can sense it, I can see it. Like, Pastor Daniel, we'll be careful because you're telling us that, you're telling us that it's okay to go out and do whatever we want to do. No, I'm telling you that when you know deep, when you see him coming after you, that's the motivation. It's his steadfast loving kindness that leads us to repentance. It's not his hellfire and damnation sermons. It's knowing that God is really that good. He hasn't put an expiration date on his expectations of you. I'm so glad he hadn't. I'm pretty sure he'd have had to throw me out a couple times. What if the baker had have remembered Joseph like Joseph had asked him? What if two years before this, as soon as the baker got out, he used his position to get Joseph out of the prison? Undoubtedly, Joseph would have gone back to Canaan with his family. And now he would not be in a position to interpret the Pharaoh's dream. And that would not put him in the position that he's about to be thrust into. And spoiler alert, he eventually saves the entire region from starvation, including his family. I'm sure it was hard. I look out at y'all's eyes right now and I can tell y'all, none of you have ever been through anything hard and right now life is perfect for you. I can see it in your eyes right now. You guys just look refreshed. You look alive. No. If you've never been through something, you're going to go through something. It's not if the wind blows. It's not if the storms come. It's, it's when because we live in this world and it's going to happen. I'm sure Joseph even wrestled with bitterness, y'all. He was a human being. But how many of you know Romans 8, 28? You better hold on to that verse the rest of your life. Because God causes all things. Come on, say all things. He causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Our issue is this, is that we don't see the big picture. We're just living the individual brush strokes. And the brush stroke that we might be living in this year ain't real pretty. It's not real nice. But what if, just what if, your story needs a dark backdrop so that the vibrant colors of his goodness and his mercy just pop off the page? We have a promise. 
that even when we are in the pit, even when we are in the prison, even when we have been betrayed, that those that should have loved us the most, even when we feel forgotten by God and by people, that God is somehow going to use it for our good. Pastor Daniel, I busted my butt all winter long to make my school's high school baseball team and they cut me. Hey, that's a big deal, by the way. It's a huge deal for somebody to get the starting position that you had last year. And can I tell you something? God sees you and he cares for you and he is going to do good things from it, even though it doesn't feel like it. And that, that issue, that, that bitterness that you're experiencing, the trials you're even going through as a high school student right now, they're gonna become the training wheels for you to learn. Can I get an amen from some parents? Yeah. For you to learn how to walk through disappointment and yet still give God the glory. Yeah. Then Pharaoh... Verse 14, and by the way, we are reading the Bible. Amen. Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. Boy, I bet he was cut all to pieces when he got there. He probably had razor bumps and everything. Oh, <laughs> he did the spray stuff. <laughs> I always want to try that when I go to the barber. They're like, nah, bro, you know, it, won't, it won't match. I want you to notice something in verse 14. I, it, it just hit me. They quickly brought him out of the pit. That, Pat, that, that little phrase makes me laugh. because I'm like, God, I don't know if you, I, I know you're always right and the Bible is in error and it's never wrong, but ain't nothing quickly about him coming out the pit. He was there for two years, but yet, when the moment was right, there was not a man on this earth or a demon in hell that could stop Joseph's suddenly moment from happening. Has anybody ever gone through something before and you didn't think it was going to end and then quickly things just begin doing this and you look back and you're like, I wish I would have known that two years ago that this was going to work out. Well, guess what? You wouldn't be the person that you are today without the prison season, without the pit season, without the season of your life where you won't be, weren't being handed multicolored jackets and being told that you were the favorite. Verse 15, we're just reading the Bible and then talking about it. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream and there's no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, <clears throat> yo, it's not me, but God will give you a favorable answer. Now, if there was ever a time to self-promote, <laughs> this was the time. <laughs> like literally just a shave and a shower before he was in jail. Now he's standing in front of Pharaoh. And if I feel like, you know, a lot of us are very similar. If Pharaoh had come to me and was telling me this, I heard you can interpret dreams, we would have probably been like, absolutely. I'm great at interpreting dreams. Here's my card. CEO, founder, and president of Dreams Interpretation International Ministries. 
<laughs> yeah, that's what we would have been doing. What dreams you got now? 1-800-DREAMS. No, Joseph literally says, he says, it's not me, it's God. Amen. This is a far cry from, um, we need a family meeting, guys. Everybody come here real quick. I've had a dream. And all of you are going to bow down to me. Imagine standing, Armani, imagine standing up in your house and telling everybody that, right? I can see. I can see your daddy right now. This, this Cody ain't bowing down to you. <laughs> this, it, I want you to see, though, that is a huge jump from standing up and telling everybody they're going to bow down to you. And now he's saying, it's, it's, look, it's not me, man. It's God. It's God who's going to interpret your dreams. And whatever he says is going to happen is going to be favorable because what he says is going to happen is going to happen. What is happening here? We're seeing the culmination of what God has done in the heart of Joseph through the last 13 years. None of us would pick the prison. None of us would pick the pit. But God builds character in the pit. God shows us who we really are when we're in the prison. And don't say, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe that came out of my mouth. Believe it. It was there. If you shake up a bottle of Dr. Pepper and you open the lid, what's going to come out? Don't you open You better leave that Dr. Pepper alone now. I'm telling you right now. What's going to come out, Holly? Dr. Pepper. And why did the Dr. Pepper come out? Because you did what? No, you're all wrong. You just got played. The Dr. Pepper came out because there was Dr. Pepper in it. What comes out when we get shaken was already there. And we are tempted to blame what comes out on our circumstances when we need to be thankful that our circumstances revealed the dangerous lurking sin that was hiding in our heart. We had, been, we've, we had convinced ourselves and we've even convinced the people closest to it. But when you get shook up, when it comes out your mouth, it was in your heart already, says the word of God. So these pit moments, these prison moments that don't feel good, God's building character, he's showing us the idolatry that is in our hearts when we are falsely accused. He's unveiling our real self when the people who used to sing our praises no longer even speak to us. And when we feel like we've been forgotten, he's giving us an opportunity to see if Jesus was really enough. And these things are not developed when people are posting on your wall, you're wonderful, you're amazing. When you're getting thank you letters in the mail and when you're getting the promotions. If you're like me, 
you have this, what I call, I call it microwave spirituality thing going on. In other words, it looks like this, like God, uh, I, I, I know that you take what the devil meant for naught and you turn and you use it for good. But um, could you tell me how long it's gonna take? Because I'm willing to be faithful if, if we're talking about like a six week trial. Can you, six months, God? How about a year? I think a year is enough for you to get the idolatry out of my heart. In fact, I think we take it a step further and it's like, it's not just God, tell me how long. It's like, God, we, I'm gonna tell you how long it's gonna take, God, yeah. Oh God, my marriage, let me see. My marriage ain't going great right now. Plug you in. I'm thinking, God, on about 45 seconds of this season of life. What you think, God? And then after we tell him how long it's gonna take, we want a 360 degree view. I need to see every angle of this. I need all my why questions. And it's gonna take you to stop asking why and start asking God what? Instead of asking God, why did this happen to me? Because the answer is the same. Because you were born into a sinful world with sinful people in it. Not every prison and pit is of our own making. And I would tell you this too, figuring out why you're there and whose fault it is is probably a waste of time too. Why don't we just ask God better questions and say, God, what are you doing inside of me through this season of my life? But me, you know, I want to punch in the time. I want to control it. And, and, and I also want, I want to see it getting crisp on the backside. I want to see the little bubblies coming out of the bowl. I want to know every little thing. But see, God is not a, he's not a microwave God. God is a, uh, you're going to have to live it out now when you walk out of here. I love it when I see like young couples start to dibble dabble in the fun adventure of cooking. First of all, you take a picture of every meal that you, <laughs> you know, you, you know, you're not helping some of us out, right? When you do that, because we're struggling over here, trying to eat clean, I'm busting 40, my metabolism's, yeah, but uh, you see, it's like, this is an amazing, it's a cheesy ranch bacon avocado casserole where you just throw all the things into the crock pot. And like, you know, when you see younger people posting the recipe, it's like, and then you put it on low for five and a half hours or you can cook it at high for three hours and 17 minutes. But when you ask a church mother who's been cooking for a long time and you're like, hey, how long would it take? And then she'll say, I don't know. You just cook it till it's done, honey. <laughs> You're like, can you, can you tell me? Now you just put, you just put, you just put, now you need to put a little fleck of sugar in it so it's not got a bitter taste. How much sugar? A teaspoon and a half? No, baby, just a fleck. <laughs> how do you know it's enough? You know, honey. <laughs> well, how do I know when it's done? You know. But can you give me a time or like a color of the meat when I know it's not? 
baby, I don't know how long it's going to take, but I do know this. The tougher it is, the longer it takes. And she might say something like this. She might say, she might say, baby, can I tell you something before you leave? What? Quit taking the lid off every 30 minutes. Because you are slowing up the process. I get it. When you're going through something tough, <laughs> every, every morning you wake up, you done yet, God? No, it ain't done. And then you call church mother. <laughs> Could you please tell me how I know when it's done? Baby, when it falls off the bone, it's good. When will it fall off the bone, honey? You'll know. <laughs> I need more specific answers. I'm dealing with control issues. I have confessed it in recovery alive and it's not getting any better. Just tell me when it's gonna be done. Baby, I told you when it's done. When, when it's done. <laughs> hey, hold on. It might not be easy, but it's going to be worth it. Mary, folks, Hold on. You're going to go through seasons. Can I get an amen from some other married folks? You're going to go through seasons of life where you are, it's not going to be 50-50. Whoever told you that is lying straight through their mouth. It was 50-50 on your honeymoon night, maybe. I hope it was. And that's about the only time it's going to be 50-50. You're going to go through seasons of life where your wife is picking up, y'all quit being silly. You're gonna go through seasons of life where it's 100-0, where it's 95-5. You're gonna go through seasons of life where it's 40-10 and half the crap in your house ain't gonna get taken care of. No, I'm serious, I wanna encourage, listen, Faithfulness is not putting an expiration on our expectation. If he said he will do it, you can take it to the bank. It might not happen the way you want it to happen. It might not happen when you want it to happen, but it's going to happen. Teenagers, don't trade in God's best for your future spouse because you are lonely. But I'm lonely. I know, that's why we're warning you. You'd be better off to be lonely for a year and take multiple ice baths than to let your burning rush you into someone or something that was not God's best for your life. He's doing more in your season of being single. And it's things he can't do when you get married. And you're saying, but I need somebody to completely, that complete me. That is the exact evidence that it's not time for you to start dating again yet. 
Because every married person will attest that none of us have marriage issues. No, I'm serious, hear me out. It's just when you put two people in the same house that both have issues and they start working these issues out in front of each other. Those aren't marriage issues. Those are people issues happening underneath the same roof. Very few of us have real marriage issues. I just have issues. And I'm working through them. And you, just get, you got to love me through every single one. I'm just kidding. Kaylin's fine. She says, I will cut you. And blame it on my concussion. <laughs> Parents, God might have called you to do it, but this might not be the season for it while your kids are small. Hold on to it. Be faithful where you are. Don't be in a rush to get past this stage. You're going to have a suddenly moment, a quickly moment. It's going to happen. And you're trying to figure out when it's going to happen. And you ain't going to be able to figure it out. It's probably going to happen when you least expect it. And while you're getting a shower and a shave and you're changing your clothes, you're going to be like, is this really happening? Is this the moment of my release? So Pharaoh says to Joseph, he comes in and he's like, he's like, he tells him the dreams. He explains the dreams to Joseph. I'm fast forwarding to verse 25. Then Joseph says to Pharaoh, and I'm going to paraphrase again. He says, look, these dreams are the same thing. Which this is another biblical proof that sometimes God does speak to us in dreams. Dun, da, da, dun. So Pharaoh tells him his dream. And Joseph says, this is, okay, first of all, you need to understand this, Pharaoh. It's the same dream twice in a different way. And God was just letting you know that this is really gonna happen. It's gonna come to pass. The seven fat cows, the seven fat ears of grain, those are gonna be seven surplus years where you guys are getting more food than you know what to do with. And then it's gonna be followed by seven years of famine. So what you need to do is you need to take one fifth of the harvest of every bumper year and you need to store it and be prepared for the seven famine years. Now, if you do the math on it, for one-fifth to feed them, it must have meant their bumper years were 350% years. Three and a half times. So they were getting a lot of food and it would have been real easy to just make it rain. But God instructed him. Was then Pharaoh says something real funny. He says... Uh, Joseph says to Pharaoh, he says, Pharaoh, you need to appoint some overseers over the land to, to make sure that this is done right. And then verse 37, the proposal pleased Pharaoh and all of his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? <laughs> then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there's no, none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house and my, all my people shall order themselves as your command. Listen to this. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. In other words, he says, I'm about to make you second in command. He was just, he was just in prison that morning. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I've set you over all the land. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring, which was like 
his signature stamp for a checkbook. It was the way you endorse financial transactions. Getting so excited, I'm preaching my headphone on. And they glued his thing to my big head. He gave them the signet ring and then he clothed them in garments of fine linen. What the devil had took. And he gave him a gold chain about his neck. Now, if you look up the word gold chain in the Hebrew, it translates to bling bling. I'm just kidding. It doesn't. I had some of y'all. Y'all were like, are you serious? No, it doesn't. But we see this. He gives them the signet ring. He gives them a new jacket that was probably better than the other one. And he puts a gold chain around his neck. But that's not all. Pharaoh says, Dante, pay attention. Jesus said, what's this? That's the keys to a brand new chariot. I need my keys back. They're church keys. He says, a brand new chariot. And then he gets in it. He's riding down the streets with Pharaoh. Pharaoh does something even else that's kind of unexpected. He yells out to everyone and he says, every knee bow. This is Joseph. Then he gives Joseph one of his daughters as his wife. Y'all, this happened fast. This happened quickly. And honestly, this is just the beginning. I have to end. This amazing story is full of life lessons. The first one is this. Remain faithful. Don't put an expiration on your expectation. Just expect every single day that God is going to work it out because He is. Hold on. Everybody say, hold on. It might not be easy, but it's going to be worth it, right? If you got to, if you got to serve in the prison for a season, just serve in the prison for a season. Third thing is this, we can minister anywhere. How many ministers do I have in the house? If you're saved, please raise your hand. You're not being biblical. If you don't, dismiss it. The Bible says we've all been called to the ministry of reconciliation. Every single one of you are just as much a minister of the gospel as I am. God has just called you possibly into different places. You might minister with furniture. My furniture pastor back there. You might minister by inspecting homes. Home inspector pastor. You might minister by being a nurse. And taking the phone calls of your pastor who's struggling sometimes. You might minister by being a teacher. You might minister by knocking dudes' heads off on Friday night in the fall. And then looking at them and say, are you ready to meet your maker? (laughs) No, we can minister anywhere we are. What else can we learn from this? When God promotes you, you don't have to. list goes on but let us not forget the overarching picture of scripture and what we are seeing let us not forget that while we can learn lessons from the life of Joseph this whole story is a part of a bigger story
the redemption story. Because while Joseph was great, there was one greater that Joseph's life was pointing to. You stand on your feet with me real fast. While Joseph was amazing, there was one that would come that would be even greater than Joseph. And we would find out that Joseph isn't really the hero. He's just a foreshadowing of the hero that would come. One who was also the object of his father's special love. There would one day come one that also had the promises of divine exaltation, who was mocked by his family, who was sold for pieces of silver, who was stripped of his robe, who was delivered up to the Gentiles, who was falsely accused and yet amid temptation, he would sin not. One day there would come someone else would stand before rulers who was thrown into prison whose power would be acknowledged by those in authority there would come one day who would one who would save his rebellious brothers even though they tried to kill him there would one day come one who would give hungry people bread and one to whom every knee would have to bow. This is the Bible. Every word on every page whispers the name Jesus. Adam wasn't the hero. Noah wasn't the hero. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were not the heroes. Joseph was not the hero. It was one big set up story pointing towards Jesus. The Bible says that every, one day every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. One day. And that one day is the time when everyone will face him as judge. But we have an opportunity right now to face him as Lord and Savior. The Bible says this, that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead, then you are saved. Not by works, but by grace through faith. Because if it was by our works, what would we do? We'd walk around bragging about it. I want to ask you this morning, are you here? If you enjoyed today's message, we want to encourage you to join our Facebook online community. Search for Bethel Church Online for more great content from our pastors and leaders here at Bethel. Join us next week for another inspiring message.